Hey, Believers, it's Dr. Shantae, and the end of the year is here. One of the number one questions that I get every single week is, do I personally coach any of my listeners or am I taking on individual clients? And for the past six months, the answer has been no, because I've been devoting all of my time and energy into building and growing this podcast. However, for a limited time in January, I have set aside four days to specifically work with four separate new clients about how to build their 2016 vision. So if you are going into 2016 and you don't want to go it alone, if the year has passed you by and you're still not sure how to approach it, or you've got ideas stuck in your head that you're not quite sure how to execute, please head to brandingforbelievers.com forward slash vision and find out how we can work together. I would love to work with you guys and help you execute your vision for bigger results in 2016. Again, that's brandingforbelievers.com forward slash vision. Hello, Believers. This is Dr. Shantae and welcome to another episode of Branding for Believers podcast. Branding for Believers is the podcast that equips entrepreneurs and influencers with the tools and the confidence to believe bigger in their dreams. Well, this is going to be a change of pace. I was really thinking intentionally about how I wanted to end the year. And some people do these year-end reflections and just kind of share what they learned and what they wish they had done differently and so forth. And I didn't want to do that. (laughs) I did not want to go that route. And when I thought about what I wanted to do, I decided that I was going to hand over the microphone to a guest for today. And that guest is a dear friend and colleague, Tosh Patterson. And Tosh is all about helping smart, successful women build a life they love with the bodies that they have to just stop apologizing and start living. So I love her platform. And she and I have been mastermind and accountability buddies for the past, oof, two, two and a half years. And I can honestly say like she was like here at the beginning of this journey and we have bounced ideas off of one another back and forth. And so she really knows my business back to front so much so that I have recently brought her on the team as the operations manager for the DYOB experience. And so if you have applied to that, you will definitely be hearing from and seeing more of Tosh. Can't say enough great things about her. So Tosh, say hello to the people. Hello. I'm so excited to be here, Dr. Shante, and I cannot wait to pull all of these juicy nuggets out of you that hopefully all of your listeners will benefit from hearing today. Awesome sauce. So what we decided to do is I asked Tosh to come up with 10 questions that she thought would be relevant to my audience and also some things that I normally would not think of. And I think that it's important sometimes to share from someone else's perspective. And so I looked at her questions. They're excellent. I think that you all will get 
tremendous value from them. And this is going to be in two parts. And so of those 10 questions, we're going to be talking about five of them today. And you can tune in next week to hear the last part of our interview with the last five questions. So Tosh, take it away. You know, before we jump in, I think that we should give people a disclaimer Uh that they are really a fly on the wall in our conversation. And so if you and I get to going to a good place, we're going to go there and it's going to be a great conversation. So just be prepared for that. Is that fair? That is fair. And I I will tell you this. Tosh is one of the great conversationalists of the world. And I say that as a classic introvert, nobody that knows me believes that I'm an introvert because when I teach, there's just such energy and such passion, but I totally am. And so it takes a quality person to get me on the phone and talk at length. And Tosh can attest to the fact that if we hop on the phone, man, it's not really hop. It's right. It's not a hop. (laughs) Yeah, we are a a good day for us is 30 minutes. If we can cut it down to 30 minutes, that's a hop for us. But usually we are going deep into business and philosophy. And so this is why I chose her because she is able to pull those elements out of me. So yes, you guys are a fly on the wall. And I think by the end of it, you will be very clear on why Tasha's is in my life. So thank you. And without further ado, let's just jump into the first question. Let's do it. So before starting the podcast, you kicked around several ideas, which kept leading you back to faith. Why is faith such a critical aspect of the conversation and your message? Faith is a critical piece of the conversation, partially because it's one of those issues that people try to sidestep. I know that there are certain topics that tend to be taboo or you just don't talk about them during polite dinner conversation. But for me, I could not show up in this space. I couldn't show up in a in a media production that has my name on it and not be completely authentic. It doesn't mean that I'm trying to push faith on people. And it doesn't mean that I don't respect other faiths because I totally do. But for me, faith is a huge part of my life because when I think about my career, right? So I have a job as a as a tenured professor and by all metrics I should be coasting <laughs> you know just coasting the next 20 some odd years into retirement but I had a calling all my life to do this and without faith branding for believers would not have come into being it just it wouldn't leave me alone and so I had to exercise tremendous faith to even start this podcast, to even create the bandwidth in my life and the margin in my life to make this happen. And so for me, faith is a huge part of the message because I can give you strategies all day long. I can give you how to's and tips and tricks and checklists and all of that. But unless you really believe that these things are going to happen unless you really believe that the actions that you're taking are going to manifest into your goals, 
into your destiny, then it's for nothing. It's absolutely for nothing. So faith has to be a part of the conversation. Excuse me. Faith has to be a part of the conversation because without it, nothing that you do will prosper. Absolutely. And can you also share that in the beginning, when you were coming up with this concept, you would send me copy for what you thought branding for believers would be. And there was this word, this faith. And I kept saying, well, is it faith like just believe or is it faith like I am a believer? And you were kind of sidestepping that a little bit (laughs) and not fully stepping into it and like skirting around it. And then at some point you just really stepped into it and you took a stand. Can you reflect on that? Like at what moment or what happened that made you say, let me stop playing and just claim this because this is who I am and this is what I believe is important. Oh, that's a good question. Man, Tasha's giving up dirt. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) That's a really good question because I'm going to own it. In the beginning, I tried to sidestep it. So like I'm I'm Mia Culpa, right? I, in the beginning, when you are first starting something, you do your research, you do your due diligence, and then you do it the way, quote unquote, you think it's supposed to be done. So it's like you look at the influencers and you look at the people that are just crushing it in this industry and you look at their formula and you think, okay, that is the formula for success. And if I'm being honest, when I was doing that, it just, it felt so disjointed. So it's like, man, I want to go here but I'm not supposed to go here. So I would pull back or man, I want to say this, but it's not that kind of show. So I I pull back. And then one day I had a conversation with myself, like, hold up, Chuck, this is your show. (laughs) You know, you don't, you're not beholden to sponsors and you don't have somebody else like cutting checks. In fact, you are investing in this podcast. This is your production and what you say goes. And just because that's, a formula for success, what other influencers are doing, doesn't mean that that's your formula for success. And it brings me back to something that I say all the time about you can't copy and paste somebody else's success story. And I realized I didn't want to be a copycat podcaster. I didn't want to be the next Pat Flynn or John Lee Dumas. I wanted to be the first Shantae Bishop. I wanted to be the person that was bold enough to bring faith into the conversation about business and branding because any entrepreneur, any platform builder will tell you that it is, it is more than just a monetary investment. It's more than just an investment of time. It is an emotional investment. It, that you will go through some things, you will go through some valleys and some dark places as an entrepreneur that will make you question yourself, question your efficacy, question whether or not you are really cut out for this. And if you don't have faith in the conversation, you will fold up. And let's be honest, Tosh, how many people do we know that, you know, started a business or started a platform and now it's like crickets, right? Countless. Countless. Okay. So for me, like if faith is not part of the conversation, then it it just doesn't work. It doesn't work for me. 
And what's funny is that when I finally stepped into that place, like you said, when I just finally said, let me just stop playing and and let me just go ahead and do this the way that I would do it, man, the, the feedback from the audience was overwhelming. I kid you not, every single week I get an email, an inbox, a tweet, a tag, talking about, you better preach. (laughs) You better preach that thing. And it's not, you know, preaching in the traditional sense, Um, but just sermons, meaning messages that just resonate at your core, you know, that resonate at a soul level. And there are just some, there are just some things that strategies and how-tos cannot touch. Sometimes people just need their souls fed based on where they are. And learning how to connect the dots between their business, their platform, and their faith, whether that's in God or in themselves. And so once I started speaking to the soul of of branding and believing, that's when everything turned around for this podcast. Yes. So in addition to faith, I know that belief is another branding for believers pillar. Mm -hmm. And you often talk about belief is your reality. So can you expand on this? What does believe bigger than what, what does it mean? Good question. So believing bigger for me and for my audience. So in case you were ever wondering, like, where does she get that tagline from? Right. Some people might think believe bigger means believe bigger for like bigger things like monetarily, right? So bigger house, bigger car, bigger revenues. And don't get me wrong, those things are fine and well. However, when I say believe bigger, I mean believe bigger than your circumstances. I mean believe bigger than this lie that you've been telling yourself about why you can't move forward. I mean believe bigger than the excuse that you're making telling yourself that you need to take one more class or sign up for one more webinar or pay for one more product um, before you're really quote unquote ready. Believe bigger than your family and friends that don't know what you're doing, don't support you, throw in shade. Uh, believe bigger than the job. You know, some people feel like they're like at a plantation picking corporate cotton, <laughs> you know, and for a check. You know, it's like believe bigger than that. Believe bigger than what's right in front of you, because here's my thing. And I I truly believe this to my heart. Most people can only see what's right in front of them. So what's right in front of me is these bills. What's right in front of me is these financial obligations. What's right in front of me is this troubled marriage. What's right in front of me is this job that I hate. What's right in front of me is whatever the situation is. And when I say believe bigger, I mean, I need you to get out of what's right in front of you. And I need you to see beyond that. I need you to see bigger than that. So like, if that's the obstacle that's obscuring your view, I need you to believe bigger than that. Even though you may not be able to physically see it with your eyes, I need you to manifest it in your mind and in your spirit, that there is something bigger for you on the other side of this situation that's happening right now. So believing bigger is about believing bigger than your right now and getting into your not yet. And some people cannot get there. 
And that that is sad. That is troubling. It's like trouble doesn't last always. Okay. You know, there's this great quote that says, if you're going through hell, keep going, (laughs) you know, just keep going. Don't let what's happening right now define the rest of your life. Believe bigger than those obstacles and excuses and lies and the past, all of it, because unless you're able to believe bigger than those things, you will never get further than where you are. And we all need that reminder that we have to look beyond our circumstances. And really, that's what your commitment is week to week when you interview all of these successful business owners and CEOs and entrepreneurs. So if you could take a step back for a moment and just think about what's the common thread between all the interviews and all the people that you had an opportunity to speak with so far, what would you boil it down to? I would say that everybody has their own cross to bear. And when I think about some of the people that I've interviewed, everybody's cross is different. So when I talk to Paul Brunson, his cross was, I believe, so committedly to this business that my wife and I are building that we're going to forego the mortgage for a few months. Jonathan Hood, his cross was... I'm not getting the kind of recognition that I think I should at ESPN, which are the four biggest letters in sports. And he believed in his own brand, walked away from major network to go and work for a startup that turned out to be owned by a criminal. (laughs) And within two months of leaving this job at ESPN, found himself out of work. Or Jocelyn, Delk Adams, Grandbaby Cakes, her cross was finding herself split between this passion for blogging and baking and family and and knitting those things together and this full-time day job. So, you know, she was caught between a dream and a job. And so when I think about everybody's story, even um, Sharon Lecter, who I'll never forget. She wrote uh, Think and Grow Rich for Women. She lost one of her children. And so, so often all we see is this polished narrative of all of our wins and all of our successes. But truly, truly, I'm telling you, everybody has their cross to bear. One of these days, I'm going to share the crosses that I had to bear to get here. Because one of the things that people need to know is that when you are moving towards your breakthrough, when you're moving towards your destiny, when you're moving towards your calling and it feels so right in your spirit, you can absolutely expect opposition. For every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. And so that opposition is your cross to bear. And What separates the wheat from the chaff is whether or not you have the fortitude to bear your cross day by day and keep moving towards your destiny. Yes. And if anybody has not listened to some of the back episodes, you should go back and really listen to them and hear the insights and the inspiration that people share through their own story, through their own testimony. I agree with that. You know, one of the 
when you say that one of the most powerful ones and actually one of my most popular episodes was Ash Cash. Ash's story is so great. You know, he paints this picture of a young banking executive, barely 30 years old, retired from banking because his brand was blowing up, retired from banking, threw himself a retirement party at the 4040 Club in New York. And within two, three years of that experience, found himself in foreclosure and just really questioning himself as a man and and feeling down and depressed and and how he was going to provide for his family. It's that type of stuff. Sometimes we forget that success is an instant. And just because you have success doesn't mean that there's not another part of your life that's a complete mess. And so everybody has their cross to bear. Everybody has their cross to bear. And if you guys haven't heard the back episodes, I definitely encourage you to go back and you will find that theme running through those stories. So as your friend, I can say that you you can be modest at times. And I would bet that most people don't even know that you worked with or had clients from brands ranging from HGTV, the NFL, Project One Runway, Jet, Ebony, The Biggest Loser. And that's just to name a few of them. Mm. So what are one, two, three things that listeners could replicate so that they could be perceived as a higher value brand? Where is it best to focus your time and energy with brand building, which is something that you and I talk a lot about? There are some rookie mistakes that people tend to make when they are brand building. And one of those mistakes is saying yes to everybody that wants to work with you. And it doesn't mean that you're being bougie <laughs> or or anything of the sort, but anytime someone asks me to collaborate with them or to interview their guest or for me to be a guest on their show, the first thing I do is Google them. I go to look at their digital real estate. I go to look at, at how they're perceived in media. Even when I post quotes from people I always Google the person like a historical figure and make sure that they haven't done something that is out of alignment with what my values are. And that's one of the things that that people can do is one, you need to think about how you want your brand to be perceived and don't partner with anyone or don't collaborate with brands that are out of alignment with what you represent because you become affiliated, you become associated with another person's brand. And so even though you might be flattered that this person or that this brand is interested in working with you, you have to also evaluate whether or not the brand is something that is in alignment with your values, represents themselves the way that you would like to be represented. And that if somebody Googles you, years from now, are you going to be okay with having that sort of brand affiliation as part of your digital legacy? Um, Wait, but Dr. Shante, you know, I'm, I'm like brand new to business and I really need to be a part of this telesummit or this digital webinar because I need to get my name out there. And I am saying yes to everything so that I can get my name out there. 
Yeah, no. Um, <laughs> I think that I think that people need to be a little bit more strategic. I know that I have been very strategic. And so, for example, perfect example, actually, is when I wrote for Jet Magazine, I never got paid one cent for writing. Sometimes people hear like you're a, a contributor for a magazine and people immediately think like, oh, dollar signs, fame and fortune. Um, No, <laughs> no fame, no fortune, not one dime, not one dollar. And so one might think, then why would you do it? Why would you even invest the time and energy? Because writing quality content is a commitment. It's not something you can just slap together. You have to have a certain level of, of writing in order to be taken seriously. But the reason why I did it is because even though I did not have much of a following at that time, Jet Magazine had a readership of 7 million people. And so because of that, I was able to negotiate opportunities because of my affiliation with Jet. And so I was able to interview people that I normally would not have been able to interview because I was affiliated with Jet. And so not only did I get the benefit of the brand affiliation with the magazine, but I also got the brand affiliation with the celebrity or the influencer that I was trying to connect with. And so this is what I mean when I say people need to be a little bit more strategic, because if Johnny Entrepreneur wants to partner with you or wants you to come and speak for free at their event, just so you can, quote unquote, get your name out there. Well, is Johnny Entrepreneur's name out there? <laughs> you know, if Johnny Entrepreneur is just getting his his feet wet, if he's just cutting his teeth in the industry, then what is the extent of his brand reach? And is his brand reach the kind of audience that you're trying to attract to your brand? And so you have to be a little bit more strategic because if you start popping up here, there and around the square, what happens is something called brand dilution and you become saturated, you become old hat. It's kind of like what happened with JC Penny. JC Penny, even after the Thanksgiving and Christmas holiday season would pass, they kept using this term doorbusters, doorbuster sales, doorbuster deals. And once upon a time, doorbusters on Black Friday were just that. They were doorbusters. If you didn't have your butt out there in the cold, freezing, at four or five o'clock in the morning to quote unquote, bust the door down, then you did not get that item. You didn't get to take advantage of the sale and so forth. But the fact that they kept using the term doorbuster, doorbuster, when it was March, when it was June, when it was August, when it was September, meant that by the time Thanksgiving and Christmas rolled around again, nobody was really busting the door down. They had been so accustomed to hearing the term doorbuster that it had really lost its luster. And so there is a, a strategy in being a little bit more selective, a little bit more exclusive about who you affiliate with. And it's better in terms of your brand reach to affiliate with someone who has a larger following, someone that is considered and perceived as a major player in your industry, rather than somebody who's just cutting their teeth with a limited reach. So I want to take, I want to pause for a second before you go on to give other information, because I think this is a critical point that 
many people miss. And I've complimented you in the past on that about your ability to be very strategic about where you align yourself, how you reach out and what you do. So you're not necessarily chasing influencers, but you are aligning yourself with brands and platforms that can extend your message. So can you give people an example about how they can start to think about this concept? So, you know, let's say if you are, if you decorate cakes or if you are a health and wellness coach or if you are, you know, a career coach, how do you start to think about strategic partnerships that are not just about individual individuals, but about brands that you can be in alignment with? Like, how do you really start to execute that? So take us from this high level concept to, you know, feet on the ground. What do you do? How do you start to look and think about this concept? I think the first decision that you have to make is whether or not you want to be a local regional brand or whether or not you want to have global impact. So for me, and I don't say this with any sort of ego, but when I jumped into entrepreneurship, I was at an age where I was like, okay, I have a career. I have a mortgage. I have a child. I have a family. I don't have time to just be making some money on the side. You know what I mean? Like I don't, (laughs) I, I, I can't invest the level of commitment and energy and time and effort into something that is going to help me build up my Christmas fund or help me um, take vacations in the summertime. And for some people, if you're doing that, that's I'm not throwing shade or rocks or anything like that. You know, that is that is the the quintessential side hustle model, because one of the things that we have to to understand is that not everybody has global aspirations. Some people, based on what's happening in their lives, just want to have a local presence or a regional presence. Some people like, for example, Chicago is a huge food town. And so some people in the culinary industry just want to have that Chicago food affiliation. And you think about some other places in other parts of the country that that is famous for a certain thing in that region. And so the first thing you have to assess is whether or not you want to be locally known, kind of like that Cheers, Boston, walking to a local bar or pub and everybody knows your name kind of thing. Or whether or not you have Oprah type aspirations, (laughs) you know, whether or not you have global aspirations. And so if you do have global aspirations, then that means that then chances are you already know who the influencers are in your industry. So that's the second thing I would say. First thing is determine whether or not you want to be local or global. Second thing is become a student of your industry. You need to know who the movers and the shakers are in your industry. Like I said, I mentioned earlier, the Pat Flynn's, the John Lee Dumas's in podcasting, and they're great at what they do. And I made a decision that I didn't want to do that, that I didn't want to be an influencer in in that space. 
if I was going to influence in the podcasting space, it was going to be influencing in the faith, in the the juxtaposition of faith and branding and business and bringing those things together. And so you have to be a student of your industry if you are going to have any hopes of aligning yourself with, because when you start to reach out to bigger brands and when you start to reach out to influencers who already have an established platform and then here you come Jane Doe, John Doe from nowhere and you have 37 followers, you have to uh, be a little strategic like, okay, it's not about what I don't have. What do I have? What sacrifices am I willing to make? So for example, for me, a sacrifice that I was willing to make for a solid year was writing for a major publication. And that sacrifice yielded tremendous dividends. Even though I wasn't getting paid on the front end, the dividends for my brand on the back end were tremendous because people, when they would Google a certain celebrity, then my name would appear in print with that person. And that's, I was building my digital legacy. I was building my authority as a writer and as a producer of media so that people would begin to take me seriously. And so I would probably wrap that up by saying, also assess what you are willing to do slash sacrifice. Because there's a lot of talk in the entrepreneurial world about like, you know, don't do stuff for free. And I think that there are some things where absolutely not, you just don't. However, when you are being strategic and you think about, okay, what could doing this for free yield me on the back end in terms of how people perceive my brand, in terms of how I'm trying to create my authority, in terms of how I'm trying to get my name to pop up in the Google search engine. Okay, maybe this might be worth my time, talent and investment. So for example, if you're a caterer or a culinary artist and you're best friend's aunt asked you to cater their family reunion for 200 bucks. Um, no, (laughs) you know, (laughs) even though, (laughs) even though, uh, she might have 77 cousins. Um, that's not the right place to try to seed your brand, so to speak, even though someone could say, but you never know who's going to be there. Um, I just, for Don't me, believe that's, that. right. <laughs> that's not a gamble I'm willing to take, um, as opposed to if Capitol Records says, Hey, uh, Mary J. Blige is going to be in town. Uh, we're looking for a caterer. We really don't have a budget for it, but you know, are you willing to come in and do it? Uh, yeah. Free of charge, go in my own pocket. I would absolutely do that because the perception of my brand, like, whoa, to be associated with someone at that level, that's a different story. And so it kind of goes back to my earlier point. You really have to think about strategically, how do you want to be perceived globally? Whose name do you want to start to be affiliated with? When people start to think about influencers in your industry, where do you want to position yourself along that spectrum because there are some people that nobody in the world knows um, beyond the people that that person helps and works with. So 
Uh, a good example of this is I recently was awarded a 40 under 40 award for the most um, influential and impactful women in Chicago from an organization called Demoiselle to Femme, which is like, you know, girls to women. And the, the woman who runs that organization, her name is Sharita Morrison. Outside of Chicago, in terms of like a global impact or scale, no one knows who Sharita is, but in terms of those girls that she is making a difference for and has been making a difference for for the past 10, 15 years on the South side of Chicago, that woman means the world to them. And so you really have to think about in terms of your calling, where you are, not just what you're called to do, but who you're called to. And if you're called to those people at a local and regional level, or whether or not you're called to those, to, to impact lives on a global level, on a, on a larger scale. And if you are called to impact people on a larger scale, then I think that those things that I just mentioned will help you get there. Hey, Believers, that's where we're going to end it for today. Thank you for listening. Make sure you catch part two of this interview next week. And as always, if you have any takeaways, any aha moments, of course, you can always send them to me via Twitter or Instagram at Dr. Shante Says. I look forward to seeing your comments and I will talk to you guys next week. Mm-hmm.